to this is the part i don't get i am jay and i am bay and this is episode 77 yes and it yes. is st patrick's day top of the morning to you bay's wearing black to celebrate <laughs> yes i am with a crazy like mohawk bun thing going on yeah i started to lose my voice today Oh, so I've got a nice little sexy rasp going oh, were you on. Yelling at kids all day? No, I wasn't yelling at all. I just like just like woke up like this, and I was like, "Oh, fantastic!" Oh, bummer. It makes sense. Like the very first St. Patrick's Day I had in this home, which you attended, was a like a like a you know housewarming party, and I had like the worst laryngitis I've ever had in my entire life. I couldn't even speak. And I was like really worried. I was like, oh no, is it ever coming back? So, you know? <laughs> and look it's at that. Just like a, it's like an eight, eight year reunion celebrating <laughs> that night. <laughs> I'm just yeah. guessing it's eight years. It might be a different year, but it's, it's bringing it full circle, you know? Yeah. Yes. It will be an annual tradition, I guess. Um, every, every eight years. I guess. I don't know whose turn it is at all. I, have, like, I think no it's my clue. turn to go first, but I, I am good with that. All right. I am good with that. If you would like to, <laughs> to start us off, I am totally ready for it. Well, mine has nothing to do with St. Patrick's Day. Um, and it's, it's actually kind of going along the route of my last topic, which was the prison uh, baseball team kind of in that realm. Um, I keeping a theme solid. yeah i i am doing um lethal injections and um wow more what a pick me up i know it's a real oh my gosh wow it's a real page turner right more there. more specifically botched uh Ew, um, lethal no, injections. Really? yeah so yeah little trigger warning to anyone um it, thanks there might be some graphic descriptions uh, a lot of talk about you know what happens when people die um yeah don't listen if uh you know if you're sensitive to to any description of of you know anything that's graphic involved yeah this kind of nature if you're not sure yeah skip ahead maybe 20 minutes yeah. or so. <laughs> no, good good solid 20 yeah 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 <laughs> mine is light Oh, good, so. <laughs> good. I promise, I think next time I'll do something lighter. It's um, okay. It's okay. Yeah. It was, my second topic ever was about cannibalism. Yeah, so I mean, Or no, it was like my third, I think. But, yeah, I remember that you one. know, sometimes yeah. you got to go to the dark places of, of the universe to figure things out, you know? Right? Well, you know, uh, a teammate of mine on my hockey team um, is a uh, doctor or a, a resident and he was talking about his experience doing autopsies and somehow we got on the topic mm. of lethal injection and he was saying how problematic it was and then like a light bulb went off in the back of my mind like <laughs> I need to look into this um nice yeah so thanks Colin no <laughs> um so I shout out <laughs> my sources were um a podcast called stuff you should know <coughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to mute myself yeah. and keep copying. Yeah. You go you go and... ahead. Okay. Anyway, um, my sources were a podcast called The Stuff You Should Know, um, an episode called Is Lethal Injection Humane from um, October 2018, an episode of The Sworn Podcast from September 2020 with Dr. Joel uh, Zibbett. Awesome. Um, yeah, who we'll talk about later. Um, and then um, Wikipedia, good old Wikipedia, and then um, an NPR episode uh, of their podcast, Consider This. Um, so, is that stuff you should know? Podcast, is that good? Yeah, I mean, the episode I That sounds like good. something I would really like. It, yeah, yeah, it was, I don't know if it's still, like if newer episodes are on or not. This was like, I think it originally was from 2013. So it's, 
um you know oh, okay. on for quite a while but it was very i thought it was very well done um so uh, lethal injection is the practice of injecting one or more drugs into a person, uh, typically a barbiturate, paralytic, and potassium solution uh, for the express purpose of causing rapid death. Um, so the U.S. has gone back and forth with um, the legality of the death penalty. Mm -hmm. um, in 1972, it was abolished uh, because it was considered um, under the Eighth Amendment as cruel and unusual punishment. Um, however, it was brought back in 1976, and in 1977, um, a medical examiner by the name of Jay Chapman um, basically uh, invented the, the cocktail that is now used as oh. um, the lethal injection. Yes. <laughs> Can you imagine? Um, I'm really surprised that it was just the 70s. That seems like kind of recent. Yeah, and honestly, I didn't know there was ever a time where it was completely abolished. Like I know it's always me either a state thing. Um, so, mm. but yeah, it's been kind of it kind of comes in waves. I think. Um, so in 1982, the first uh, this was the first time the lethal injection was used, and of course, it was in the U.S. Um, and then became more frequently used. Um, and then at this point, other countries followed suit, uh, China, um, and then other countries in Asia started using it. Um, and right now, 28 out of 29 states um, use the lethal injection. Uh, let me clarify, 28 out of 29 <laughs> states that have the death penalty use uh, the lethal injection. Um, South Carolina. Okay, what year is this? <laughs> South Carolina <laughs> does not. Um, they still prefer the old electric chair. Uh, oh my! Really? <laughs> yeah. Really? Oh, and can you guess who who the first state was to use lethal injection? Was it one of the first states? <laughs> no, but it's probably the okay. first one of the California? states you, you would think of. Uh, no, Texas. You know how they love like oh, executing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> makes makes sense. Mm -hmm. So actually, I gotcha. um, in one of the podcasts, they were saying that 2% of the counties in Texas account for 50 to 60% of the executions. <laughs> Wait, say that one more time. 2% so, of. Um, so 2% of the counties in Texas. So um, like a very small portion of, of Texas has accounted yeah. for basically half of the executions. In the United the States. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. Seems a little um, disproportionate. Just a tad. I'm like, um, <laughs> are there just like a lot of killer, like murderers in Texas? Oh. <laughs> no, but it's obviously just more of, I think it's, you know, politics. It's just, yeah. I mean, you don't, they're just okay with it there. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, isn't it like, don't mess with Texas? I don't mm -hmm. know. That is the same. <laughs> they have statistics to back them up. <laughs> Um, and then a lot of states, I, I found this interesting, have what's called de facto abolition, which means like it's technically legal to do um, like the death penalty, but they don't really use it. So it's just kind of like there. Yeah. Like, and like a worst case scenario type yeah. situation kind of thing, but, like, but they don't generally it. use it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's quite a long process of getting to the actual place of getting the old needle in the arm um the old, getting the old <laughs> needle in the arm getting poked <laughs> um oh goodness so basically before you are executed you go to a holding area um and this is known as death watch real uplifting yeah area. Mm -hmm. um and so this is not only the place where you wait but it's also like your monitor there for suicide yeah. mm -hmm. um which is so ironic i know it's interesting um, so and the um actually there have been several people that have attempted suicide or completed really? suicide um one they couldn't just wait 20 minutes i mean i guess it's I mean, more of like a control I, thing they want to take their lives not let someone else but yeah. you know same could have been said for their victims, I guess. And potentially they're worried about pain. Yeah, I would be. I would be. Well, yeah, we'll get into that. <laughs> um, oh, great. <laughs> I 
so actually there was a story of this man um I, I believe he was in Texas. He, I think it was like a week before his execution. He, um, he uh, like slit his wrists and, um, or I don't know if he's a wrist. He cut his carotid artery um, and he almost uh, died. They saved his life only for them to execute him a week later. So <laughs> yeah. That's gotta be, I mean, I can imagine like your, your friend, that's a doctor. It's gotta be such an, in, that's, so weird you know because like it's your you've taken an oath you know to save people's lives and to do right by them and then you have to have a medical degree to be involved there has to be some sort of medical person involved in this process you know to oh, we'll get to that presume too. Someone being dead. okay <laughs> there's okay. a lot of, there's me. a lot of a lot of issues around that um yeah so you're in the death watch um finally when it's when it's your turn apparently it's just like a um you know it's a full day you uh you mm -hmm. get more visits it's much it's a little more lax yeah um, the chaplain visits um you get visits from you know whoever family um mm -hmm. and then obviously witnesses are are present um they're required to be silent they can't have as much as a pen paper watch really okay um Sometimes the the family of the prisoners go. Obviously, the the family, or if they want to, the family of the the victim will attend. Um, and actually, I thought this was interesting. Um, rep, something called repu, reputable citizens go, and that's just literally anyone from the public who um, applies ahead of time and explains why they want to why you know why they want to attend. Um, it's not very selective. Um, and apparently in the 90s, they um, there were so many executions that they actually put out ads for people. <laughs> Where? Um, I don't know if this was like in the, I, I certainly don't remember seeing this across the, you know, my TV. our age, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. It wasn't on our like Disney cartoons. Disney original movie yeah right like advertising i want you to come watch the next oh. execution <laughs> it's oh, like gross. join the army but also yeah if you want to be a good american but first um, <laughs> we need you to stop by this little chamber mm. um because they actually have a requirement of anywhere from six to twelve like members of the public to attend really? um yeah, and this kind of goes back to, you know, back in the day when it was like a, a full public mm. event. Um, so, yeah, there were, um, you know, if you ever want to watch something, God help you um, for the trauma that you're going to endure and the therapy that you'll need after. But absolutely. Um, yeah. And I think probably members of the press have, might have applied um, cause there was one, uh, article I read where the person like basically described everything they saw. So I'm like, okay, they obviously were there. Um, and then, so the person, um, the condemned, as they say is, is brought oh, really? in, <laughs> yeah, is condemned. brought in, Gosh. um, they're put on the gurney, they're strapped in, um, they say their last words. Um, uh, oh, of, of course, before this, they get their last meal, but some, some States said, um no you just eat what the prison gives you because um oh, I can't yeah. remember where it was but somebody ordered like two hundred dollars worth of food like like pizza and like like nice. like hundred tacos or something and like the guy of the hundred tacos date dude yeah exactly so <laughs> <laughs> um I think that person ruined it for everyone else and they're like no you just eat you know whatever. oh great <laughs> only takes that one jerk i know ruin it for everyone else <laughs> um so yeah they say their last words which i didn't know this but it gets put in i don't was it was either the newspaper or like said on the news um and then they get sedated and then um fun fact before you know back in the day when they did hanging they would take them and get them drunk beforehand i guess that was their really sedating them yeah so interesting i know i, I would, I would have just, oof, i would have to be get myself blackout drunk at that point 
<laughs> I would have never have guessed that that's what they did. I know. Um, and then they hooked them up to an EKG, obviously to monitor show, their heart. Yeah. Yeah. To monitor their heart. Um, so they set up two IVs and then two tubes are, um, go from the IV to the, from their, you know, from their arm to the tubes go to another room. Um, so you cannot see who's administering the drugs and it's yeah. called the anti-room. Um, oh. and so there's, yeah, I know there's two to three executioners who administer the drugs. Um, however, they don't know which one, like one isn't going to the actual person. It's, it's so they don't know like which one of them actually killed the person. Um, and then, yeah, I was wondering about that. Yeah. It's like, I, I know I always heard for the, um, for the firing squad, like, um, yeah, they they'd have like, had an yeah. actual bullet. Um, so it's kind of the same thing so that they don't like, you know, spend the rest of their lives feeling terrible, but I think I yeah. would way. I think I would too. <laughs> um, I think I would too. And so f- in, if everything goes according to plan, um, from the execution order to the time of death, it's anywhere from five to 18 minutes. Um, and so basically they, uh, and they check you for consciousness by poking you or saying your name, but as we'll find out later, later, this to get a little stick. Yeah. Um, (laughs) so they use three types of drugs. Um, the first one is sodium thiopental, um, or also sometimes they use something called penobarbital, which is an yeah. anesthetic, uh, basically paralyzes you, makes you unconscious. Um, so to give an example, um, hundred milligrams of penobarbital is used for, I think it's phenobarbital. Uh, I, the only reason why I say that is because it's actually a, a word in a country song, but I could be wrong. Uh, it's not important. Be right. I shouldn't well, have now even I'm said anything. <laughs> I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have interrupted. I think they're both, I think there's like, there's, they're both barbiturates or maybe it's like, one is the brand name or something, but I'm just going to go with what I have written down for you, now. You do you. <laughs> um, so a hundred milligrams is used for general anesthesia. Um, but in the lethal injection, 5,000 milligrams is used. Oh, um, wow, that's a lot. Yeah. Just to make sure the job gets done. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the second drug is pan, pancuronium bromide, which is a muscle relaxant, um, and it basically just like totally uh, relaxes all the muscles, including the lungs, and you know would cause you to stop breathing. Um, and then finally, potassium chloride is um, the toxic agent which is used to stop the heart. Um, however, due to a shortage of these uh, chemicals, um, eleven states changed just to use the sodium thiopental um, because that alone was enough, you know, to kill a person. Um, However, uh, many manufacturers, which were overseas, um, they stopped supplying these drugs to the U.S. because they're like, "Um, Mm. this is not what we made this for. Um, Yeah. Okay. Um, (laughs) And it got to the point where the DEA ended up raiding uh, many, like, um, Department of Corrections or the Department of Corrections in many states. Um, and then, so they stopped using the sodium thiopental and then switched to penobarbital. Um, and then that ended up getting banned as well. And then they switched to, uh, midazolam, um, which really isn't supposed to be like, it's not made as a sedative and it's not really used to put people to sleep. Um, at one point they also tried to use, uh, pro propofol, which is what killed Michael Jackson. 
Um, yeah. but that's not actually ever been used. I think they just tried. And then I think again, that the manufacturers were like, no, uh, <laughs> we're already in enough trouble with, after what happened to Michael Jackson. Yeah. Um, so many, um, people opposed to this form of execution say it is not ethical, um, because of the eighth amendment, because it, um, for one, they say uh, many times the people administering the drug are unable to find a vein. Um, for example, if someone is was a heavy drug user or has diabetes and had to inject themselves, um, it makes it very hard to find a vein. And yeah, oh, I um, know, I don't know. Yeah, I never mean, seem to find mine. I know, me neither. When I get I, my blood drawn is the only time because that person's like, that's all they do, that phlebotomist or whatever, mm -hmm. you, however you pronounce that. Yeah. the right. only person who can do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I got my blood drawn about a few years ago. It was definitely before COVID, but I remember they had to like call in their supervisor to like get her to help. And I was like, geez, I'm like, well, my veins are. are <laughs> their supervisor. <laughs> Yeah, they're like, oh, and then they're like flicking it, you know, and doing all sorts yeah. of things. Um, so, and as you mentioned before, um, well, you mentioned medical professionals. So they actually have no medical professionals there. Um, not even to pronounce death? Uh, not to my knowledge because it goes against the Hippocratic oath of yeah, every doctor yeah. to do no harm. Um, I know, yeah, it, it was confusing to me because in one of the articles they said like there was someone in a lab coat that came in mm. um, and it's like- But okay, that doesn't mean they're a doctor. Yeah, that's true. So my understanding is that, I, I don't know about the part, part that uh, of them being pronounced dead. Um, I know for a lot of, a lot of times they just, uh, send them to the, um, um, the medical examiner's office. And they're the ones who kind of like pronounce them dead, um, is my understanding. But even the people that administer the, uh, or, um, that, that put the actual IV in are just regular employees of the prison supposedly they have some sort of training, but they are not like any, they don't have any, any medical license. Mm. Um, so it's, yeah, it's usually like a prison guard or someone like that. Um, so that's like another big issue. And then um, another issue is um, anesthesia awareness is what they talk about. Um, Sodio, oh, sorry, sodium thiopentanol, the first drug is uh, mm -hmm. short acting. And um, because it's a paralyzing agent, they say that it's used more for, um, um, I'm, I'm sorry, be, uh, it's a paralyzing agent. So it keeps the person from being able to express pain if they are in pain. Um, mm. So they say that's a problem because if something does go wrong, there's no way of knowing by facial expressions or any sort of movements or anything like that, any sort of visual cues from the person. Yeah. Um, and it's usually kind of used more as like an induction agent, not throughout the surgery. And another issue is that it's supposed to be an individualized dose, not um, like in lethal injection right now, they just like have a standard dose for everyone. And they said, that's not appropriate. Um, another problem is um, the, the, as we mentioned, like the, the pain, um, they're not supposed to experience pain, um, but a doctor that I mentioned before, uh, Joel Zibbett, um, actually looked at autopsies from those who had been executed and he found that the cause of death was actually um, pulmonary edema, which is basically fluid in the lungs, which basically yeah. is like the sensation of drowning, which is extremely painful. Oh, my um, goodness. Yeah, it's caused from increased uh, pressure around the heart and it causes the fluid to like ooze out into the lungs. Um, and they also said- oh, I love you, that word usage, ooze. I know, it really, <laughs> really puts that- you know, it gives you that image. Yeah. Um, so, and they said that when a, an exorbitant amount of drugs are like 
pushed into your system the way they are in lethal injection. Um, this can cause um, pulmonary edema. And they said like, it's like a really terrible burning sensation, apparently mm -hmm. from, um, from the, the chemicals that they put in you. Um, so I think he found that, yeah, so he found most, most of the ones he looked at had actually died from pulmonary edema. So um, basically indicating that there was a good chance that um, the, the lethal injection did not do what it was supposed to do or not kill mm -hmm. the person the way it was supposed to. Um, and then there, in 2005, there were some um, University of Miami researchers that looked at um, Texas, Virginia, North and South Carolina, um, which showed that executioners had no anesthesia training and that drugs were administered remotely with no monitoring for anesthesia and that no data was recorded, no peer review was done. So it's like just very, there was no like protocol or any, any sort of training given. Um, and then they were <laughs> right. That, who needs training for giving a dose of medication to somebody? Um, mm -mm. And then toxicology reports from Arizona, Georgia, North and South Carolina were um, looked at after the people had died and they found that um, low, uh, the concentrations of the thiopentanol in the blood were lower than the required for surgery in about 88% of the executed inmates and 21%, I'm sorry, 43% of the inmates had concentrations consistent with being aware during surgery. Like, um, but this, this article was heavily criticized um, because it wasn't peer reviewed. And they say that once, once you're dead, like the concentrations of, um, you know, thiopentanol and other drugs in the body uh, change because of the way your body, um, you know, metabolizes it. So it's hard to say that, like, they might have had the right amount in their body, but by the time they were looked at, um, once they died, it was, it was a lower amount. Ah. Um, Sounds like a loophole to me. Uh-huh. <laughs> Clearly, more, more research needs to be done and I would not want to be that person. No. <laughs> yeah, talk about a depressing thing. Oh yeah, study. I know, right? But I mean it's good they a lot did. of pressure. Yeah, yeah. It is, but um and then it, a 2017 study found that many US states uh, that allowed capital punishment are now stockpiling lethal injection drugs that are in short supply and might be needed labor for later for life-saving medical procedures. So great. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, Not just hoarding toilet paper anymore. Right? <laughs> <sighs> yeah. It's like um, Elaine with the sponge, you know? Oh Seinfeld. yeah. Are you, are you sponge worthy? Are you yeah. thiopentanol worthy? <laughs> um, and so uh, now we'll get into the botch executions. So buckle up, folks. <laughs> um, if so, you didn't fast forward before, yeah, now's the time. <laughs> yeah, if you weren't depressed enough. <laughs> um, so on Jay's December, gonna bring you there. Yes, I send us out. <laughs> so on December thirteenth, two thousand six, um, Angel, Angel, Angel Nieves Diaz on hell. Um, a 55-year-old convicted of murder in Florida um, was executed, but his first dose did not work. And after 35 minutes, they had to administer a second dose. Um, the autopsy later found that the needle uh, didn't actually get the vein. It pierced his tissue instead. So <sighs> they, he was no doubt in, like a, in severe pain. Mm -hmm. um, and you know the prison was like, no, he had he had liver issues, and that's why it didn't work. But mm -hmm. they didn't find any liver issues in the autopsy. Um, on September fifteenth, two thousand nine, uh, Romel Broom was uh, supposed to be executed, but he was not because they couldn't find a vein, as we talked about. Um, he was actually got to get that phlebotomist out there. 
I know, you know, they, they know what they're doing. One. And I mean, they look, you know, they look in the toe, you know, they look everywhere. Wow. Um, so um, his uh, uh, execution was rescheduled for March 2022 this year, but he actually died uh, in 2020 and it was suspected that he died of COVID. Um, but wow. that's a crazy amount of time, like 2009. And then, of course, there were so many yeah. appeals after that because. Yeah, these lawyers, things are not quick. This is not yeah. a quick process. And his lawyers were like, look, uh, that's cruel and unusual. You like couldn't even execute him. Um, and then they tried to, I think they even tried to use like the double jeopardy um, argument. Interesting. Too. I know. I only, I. I've never seen that used in real life, only in the uh, the wonderful movie. <laughs> With Ashley Judd. With Ashley yes. Judd, yeah. Um, Great the, uh, film. I know, that was one of my favorites. You, you <laughs> can, I could shoot you in Mardi Gras and they can't touch me. <laughs> I just remember You deserved that. it though. Yep. You sent Hell her to no prison. <laughs> crime she did not commit. Yep. Um, January 17th, 2014, Dennis McGuire <laughs> is executed and my computer s- somehow um, autocorrected to excited. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, it, it, your computer wanted to liven it up. Just it couldn't, it couldn't handle it. Yeah. It was just like, can it we couldn't. not? Like, what's wrong with you, lady? <laughs> can, we, can we not? <laughs> <laughs> so Excuse me. Um, he was executed in Lucasville, Ohio. He was gasping for air for 10 to 13 minutes um yeah and could you imagine watching something like that like yeah um, i know those reputable citizens were like i wish i had signed um, up for this they're like can i get my um application back Uh, i'd like to i'd like to revoke (laughs) i mean i have to imagine those people could potentially be a bunch of sickos wanting to like just be there but Mm -hmm. i hope not yeah i don't know that's i hope it's like a family friend you know like there's like a legitimate reason yeah or like you're going there to support somebody else yeah but i don't know um and um this so this person they used a new combination of of drugs um after the thiopentanol was banned yippee big shock didn't work too well no (laughs) um April 29th, 2014, Clayton Lockett survived 43 minutes before being pronounced dead. Um, so he, oh, this one was, this one got me. He started convulsing. He spoke. He attempted nice. to rise from Ugh. the execution table despite being declared unconscious. Um, and he was also given an untext, untested mixture of, of something they hadn't used before. Um I mean, what would they test this on other than like a that's an true. Animal? That's a very good point. Um it's a hard know. thing to test, but at the same time, like it is their responsibility to make sure that it works. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how they how they test it or if they they look they do like autopsy studies or something. I don't know. Yeah. There must be, I'm sure there's some way that they you know maybe put it in some sort of mixture and see how it reacts so scientific there that's me Mm -hmm. going back to ninth grade biology or something (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so um obviously you know i we're not here to take sides uh, for or against um you know because we everyone can have their opinion um and of course people um that are for the um lethal injection say that like well these drugs are commonly used in um surgical procedures um you know thousands every day yeah by doctors right (laughs) there's a little difference Yeah, so like, hey, if it's used, you know, that people often, who are trained. Yeah, <laughs> that is very. You would almost think they went to school <laughs> for like half their lives. I um, know they have the loans to show for it. Yeah, and they Jesus. say <laughs> you're right, and that they say because the dose is so much um, that um, basically it wouldn't wear off in ten to twenty minutes. So the whole issue of the anesthesia awareness doesn't really make sense. Um, 
so yeah, right now, um, there is a, obviously a shortage of uh, these um, chemicals that are used. So um, I don't know what's going to happen from here, but uh, there's been a lot of, um, you know, debate and controversy and um, I'm bad. Yeah. And just dissent over the current way of, um, you know, how capital punishment is done. Um, on one of the podcasts, they mentioned um, like a more humane way called inert gas asphyxiation, which is like basically you inhale, um, you know, a type of gas that makes it so you stop breathing, but you don't like feel the pain of suffocating. Um, mm. So um, I don't know, that might be where we go in the future, but um, apparently um, firing squads are often botched due to human error. Um, Is that still used? I, I think it might be an option in a few states, but. Um, and when it's an option, I wonder like, does the condemned as they call them do are they the ones that get to choose or is it like the judge yeah I think it's the the condemned um because I remember when I was in college I wrote like a really short synopsis paper on the death penalty and there was only one state that's still allowed hanging and I believe it was Delaware yes and Delaware actually um they used to have an automated um, lethal injection machine so that people didn't have to inject it. And it was actually developed by Dr. Kevorkian. Um, oh. But, you know, big shock. Mechanical errors. So that didn't last very long. <laughs> HBO had a fantastic movie about him without. Oh, Pacino my God. Yeah. It was so good. I, yeah. It was. Um, who was in it? Al Pacino played yeah. him, but yeah. I don't know. I, I saw that. that was, yeah, no, Al Pacino, he was great. That was really good. It was um, so good. But yeah, I mean, like, I just remember he, seeing that and I was like, wow, because this was in like, I don't know, like 2008-ish. Yeah. And I remember thinking like still, like, in, <laughs> you know, in the 2000s, there, that's still an option. And then I think they're technically at that point, I think there were still like some states that even had the, like the electric chair as an option too. And it was, yeah. I remember um, thinking like, yeah, this is a little archaic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so one last thing is um, that they mentioned on the podcast that, you know, the racial disparity, um, 89% mm -hmm. oh, yeah. of capital defendants are black or Hispanic men, oh, yeah. whereas 77% of their victims are white. So it's like, you know, a bit of a disparity. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So that's another reason people, um, you know, tend to argue against the death penalty in general. So, well, um, I mean, prison reform is a huge yeah, yeah. issue, huge issue right now, but, but man. yeah, that's, that's my topic. Sorry. That took made up for all those <laughs> short ones <laughs> oh, that wasn't that good, long good luck sleeping tonight Please. everyone yay <laughs> all right let's lighten up the mood here bay don't don't break the law <laughs> <laughs> yes i love that like the very first thing you said was mine has absolutely nothing to do with saint patrick's day because <laughs> mine <laughs> mine is saint patrick's day oh okay <laughs> I, you know i had a feeling i had a feeling yeah I like to look at the calendar. It clearly motivates me for my topics. <laughs> like I'm, just, I've done, I'm just always morbid, apparently. I've done every holiday, you know, but then like we've done this for now. Like this is our third March, third season that we've done this and never ever talked about St. Patrick's Day, but it's I like know, it I, is I literally St. Patrick's Day today. I, assumed, I was like, I'm sure we've done St. Patrick's Day. I just like assumed that we had done it. Not to my knowledge, if we had, buckle in for a repeat because that's what's happening yeah I mean like I this is the latest I've ever done because I had a topic which I guess I'll do next but then I thought I was like you know what today is St. Patrick's Day let's just throw that in there so I did it this morning and I, I almost I never do that so you know too much anxiety gotta do it early but I got a lot of my 
information from history.com, npr.com, and livescience.com. And basically, it's just like, this is this thing that we celebrate every year. And, you know, in elementary school, you pinch people for not wearing green, you know, and, you know, we've definitely celebrated as adults. And, um, but like, I know nothing about it. I literally know absolutely nothing about St. Patrick's Day. So I was just thinking about like, what's the deal? And are there some thing, misconceptions perhaps? So I found all those facts out for you. Thank tonight. you. <laughs> I know a I little knew, bit, but I, I, I knew I you wanted forgot. to know. So <laughs> that's, that's why. So it, it's grounded in history that dates back more than 1500 years. And the earliest known celebrations were held in the 17th century on March 17th. And it marked the anniversary of the death of St. Patrick in the fifth century. See, didn't even know that until I read it this morning. <laughs> oh, this morning, huh? Uh, makes sense that it would be, I mean, it's called St. Patrick's Day, makes sense. Um, so there are 34.7 million U.S. residents with Irish ancestry currently today, and this number is more than seven times the population of Ireland itself. But it didn't actually say like how much ancestry, like, are you one sixteenth Irish or are you like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. it makes sense that there would be way more, but the way they wrote it was like, whoa, it's seven times more <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, like technically I'm, I'm, I got a little bit Irish in me too, but you know, so St. Patrick himself wasn't actually Irish at Iris, yes, Iris. He wasn't Irish at all. He was actually just, he was born in England. So um, much of what is known about St. Patrick's life has, you know, been interwoven through like history, fact, folklore, and legend. So historians generally believe that St. Patrick, um, this, the patron saint of Ireland, was born near the end of the fourth century in, in, in England. And at the age 16, he was kidnapped by Irish raiders and he was sold as a slave to a Celtic priest in Northern Ireland. He spent six years there as a shepherd and then he escaped back to, um, to England, back to Britain. He eventually then returned to Ireland, of course, as a missionary, as you do, you know. And, uh, and that's essentially like where that story was born. Uh, and then, you know, lots of legends and things have come from that. But one of the most famous things about a legend about St. Patrick is that he stood atop a great hill along the Irish hillside and banished all the snakes from Ireland, prompting all serpents to slither away into the sea. But people have actually researched this, which I found to be kind of interesting. It was like, what prompted that? But, um, and research Something doesn't suggests, seem right <laughs> <laughs> You know, people are like, wait a second here. A research suggests that snakes never even really occupied Ireland in the first place, at least not in great numbers, um, because there are no signs of snakes in the country's fossil records. And it's surrounded by water and it's been surrounded by water since the glacial period. And before that, the region was covered in ice and would have been too cold for reptiles anyway. So Patrick, something's not, uh, something's not uh, connecting. Oh, uh, he's right? making shit up. <laughs> <laughs> so of course, one of the biggest things about St. Patrick's Day is, is green, you know, wearing green. So St. Patrick was actually known for wearing blue, not green. And blue yeah, was a big, was a big part of like celebrating him. I've been so wearing, <laughs> I know this whole time. So wearing green has become a staple of St. Patrick's Day, but the holiday was originally associated with the color blue. And it's thought that that shift happened because Ireland's nickname is the Emerald Isle. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. The green and the Irish flag, and of course the shamrock or clover, right, um, could potentially also have something to do with it. And green ribbons and shamrocks have been worn in order to celebrate St. Patrick's Day since the 17th century. So makes sense. Uh, in 19, talking about the color green, in 1962, Chicago uh, 
the city of Chicago, city workers dumped 100 pounds of dye into the river that goes through downtown Chicago. And it left the river emerald green for an entire week. And it kickstarted this annual tradition. And if you do look at the pictures, like it is bright. Yeah, green. I heard that. Um, like year. it is freaking green. And, um, and they do it every year. And the silly city celebrated um, when this article was written, it was the 60th anniversary of doing that. I mean, it's, it's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, so you just think like, oh, that's so fun. They dye the river for celebration, but it actually comes from kind of like a much grosser reason. And then I guess they just tied it into St. Patrick's Day. So the green dye was originally part of the city's effort to clean up the river's waterfront areas. And because um, the waterfront had long been a depository for Chicago's waste. So um, didn't detail what type of waste, but I think we can you know, collectively think that it's gross. And um, as Chicago grew in size, you know, there's more waste. So therefore, luckily there's more efforts to clean the river. And uh, that included the construction of waste treatment plants and even a canal that permanently reversed the flow of the river. It was really interesting. What? Oh, wow. And that, that brought clean water from Lake Michigan into the mouth of the river. So <clears throat> when Richard J. Daly took office as the mayor in Chicago, of Chicago in 1955. He was determined to develop that riverfront area. So he made it a big priority to find out like, where is this sewage or waste coming from? And so they used the green dye to identify where the source of the waste was coming from. I guess you just like follow the trail. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, so he originally proposed that they should die part of actual like Lake Michigan. Like, whoa, I feel like that's a great undertaking. And apparently, <laughs> yes, in order to that try and figure out where the, the waste was coming from. Yeah, that can't be good for the wildlife. Well, that's coming. Um, but oh. his, his friend, Stephen Bailey uh, said, you know, why don't we like, scale it down a little bit here and uh make it a more manageable size and just focus on the river <laughs> rather than lake michigan or at least part of it and so from that the tradition was born and since and since 1962 they've just kind of connected it with saint patrick's day so the dye originally was an oil-based product so i think that's probably part of the reason why it lasted so long like the color um, but it's been, it's been changed to a powder uh, and that powder is actually orange, you know, it, it, originally it's orange, which is kind of funny because that's like the color of the Irish flag. But um, the formula, according to this article, is a, is a highly guarded secret. So that's interesting as well. Like why, who cares? Right. But um, in the past, the city has experimented with different ways to distribute the powder. Um, today, the orange powder is spread. It's, it's essentially like spread by these two motor boats and just like sprays out into the water. Oh, that makes sense. It's um, not just like a big tub. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stand on one of those bridges and just dump it right over. Yeah. It'll, it'll get there. It'll get there. <laughs> just pull um, a levy or a lesson. So, <laughs> so one of the boats dumps the powder and the other one stirs the water, um, turning the river completely green within minutes is pretty interesting so you know this this you know like a lot of people are like they don't like it uh the dye they, they say that's used in the river is, is said to be harmless but advocacy groups such as the friends of chicago river are i'm telling you if you can make a society it's gonna happen <laughs> all right there is a society for everything including the chicago river um they are worried the practice <laughs> encourages <laughs> copycats who may be using unapproved dyes in other portions of the river or other oh. places 
um there's you know, always because it's a, it's a closely guarded yeah. secret you know so they don't yeah. know they don't know so they could be using the wrong kind of dye well, that's all they said mean. quote dyeing the chicago river green perpetuates the notion that it can be treated any way anyone wants now more than ever our land and waterways need protection and our traditions need to evolve to reflect that end quote and that's from Frisbee, um, one of the members of the Friends of the Chicago River. So other U.S. cities, cities, including San Antonio, Tampa, and Indianapolis, have since begun dyeing their own rivers and canals green. And regardless of like protests and environmental groups, um, the dyeing of the Chicago River, um, you know, is continuing. It doesn't really seem to be going anywhere. Um, so look out for the Green River, I guess. The Shamrock. Uh, was as another part of Irish tradition. And I'm like, what the heck does that have to do with anything? Um, but it's just something that we like accept, you know, like the color green or, or like a four leaf clover, like, but do we, but we don't know like where any of it comes from. So it actually was considered a sacred plant, which is interesting. Who knew, you know, a shamrock is a three leaf clover and it has been associated with Ireland for centuries. And it was called the, the Shamroy by the Celts and was considered a sacred plant that symbolized the arrival of spring. And according to legend, St. Patrick used this plant as a visual guide when explaining the Holy Trinity. <laughs> oh, that's right. The Father, yeah. the Son, and the Holy <laughs> Ghost. <laughs> Just in case. I thought that was a cross the Holy Trinity. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I guess, you know, I guess a, a, a little back to nature. Yeah. yeah. So by the 17th century, the shamrock had become a symbol of emerging Irish nationalism. And legend says that each leaf of the clover has a meaning. So that's for the four leaf clover, you know, because you're looking at the three leaf or the four leaf. So the four leaf, each one has a meaning, hope, faith love and of course luck Aww. can't be without that luck that's cute. the odds you know you're going to need some luck the odds of finding that four leaf clover are about one in ten thousand whoa have you ever found one no i've always wanted to i always really kid, i've totally know. found one oh, you just you have can. to like <laughs> that was well deserved congratulations that, that was well deserved <laughs> yeah i feel like you just have to like be really bored and have a decent amount of time on your hands and just sit in the grass I just did. like pick at a <laughs> oh okay. don't um, underestimate my boredom <laughs> <laughs> and um but you know it's it definitely i've done it i've looked for them way more times than i found one i think i found uh like it like twice do you ever life. find those with like like five and you're like damn it just rip one off <laughs> oh i never thought of that <laughs> and you're lying to even yourself yeah that's probably really bad if anything <laughs> rip one off <laughs> <laughs> nice so um parades are another big thing you know obviously parades and celebrations are another big staple of saint patrick's day so the first saint patrick's day parade was actually held in america not ireland <laughs> <laughs> people in ireland have they celebrations shit, right <laughs> no i think they do i always I think heard it's, it's like it's a, more a bigger deal in america than than in ireland <laughs> i i would believe it based or on maybe that's just the wearing green thing i don't know yeah based on what i've read it sounds like america really just kind of took this and ran with it as, as um, we do with many things <laughs> Now there are reasons for it, I guess, because so people in Ireland have celebrated since the 1600s, but the tradition of having a parade mostly began in America. And that tradition actually predates the founding of the United States itself. Records show that a St. Patrick's Day parade was held on March 17th uh, in, oh my God. I wrote, I, written, I didn't even write the right date now. It says 160, I believe it's 1860, in a Spanish, in a Spanish colony in what is now known as St. Augustine, Florida. That was the mm -hmm. first parade. 
And uh, it was organized by the Spanish colony's Irish vicar, Ricardo Artur. And that's where the first parade was. But you fast, see, this is like, what I feel like the biggest reason why the U.S. really kind of like, you know, made a big deal about it was you, you fast forward a hundred years and the states and col- or colonies. So that definitely wasn't 1860. It was before that. <laughs> I'll have to look up that date again. Jeez, Louise. It auto-corrected my date. Um, so fast forward. Auto-correct is really getting in the way of both of our topics. Today. I know. So it must have been um, the first, the first parade must have been in the 1600s because um, the next line that I wrote was, you fast forward a hundred years and the states or colonies at that time had a lot of homesick Irish soldiers and they were serving in the English military. So they marched in Boston in 1737 and in New York city on March 17th. And then of course it just grew even more, you know, hundred years after that, when we had so many immigrant immigration, uh, we had a lot of immigration from Ireland at the turn of the century of the 1900s. So enthusiasm for St. Patrick's Day and parades really just kept booming, especially in big cities where there were a lot of immigrants in New York City and Boston. So there is a reason why the U.S. You know, it's like, let's make a big deal about this holiday. So I would believe, I would definitely believe that like it's like a, a, a big hoopla here, but I don't know if it is bigger. Uh, but uh, do you want to know how long the shortest St. Patrick's Day parade is? Like in time or? In distance. Oh, how short? A hundred (laughs) yards. So every year there's uh, the world's shortest St. Patrick's Day parade is held in an Irish village to really bring home the stereotype because the parade is only a hundred yards because it's between two different village pubs. Oh, that sounds like fun. <laughs> so it's really taken the bar crawl to a whole other level. Literally. You know? <laughs> um, I feel like that's, that's like true Irish right there. I know. Marching I know. from one pub to the next. And just to kind of like go with the theme of how like the U S has kind of like reinvented or really taking the reins on this holiday um you know like corned beef and cabbage is like a big thing that people eat around this time and my mom would make it every freaking year my mom's the one who's irish in my family and i remember being like ugh, again you know <laughs> <laughs> like so um corned yeah. beef and cabbage is a popular meal on saint patrick's day but really in the u.s because yet again it's an american invention so uh ham and cabbage were eaten in Ireland, but corned beef was even cheaper and oh, it was a sense. better option for Irish immigrants that were living here in, in the United States. So hence the corned beef and cabbage. So I believe it was probably invented by Irish immigrant immigrants, but they were living here in the States. Yeah, they kind of had to make it their own version yeah. with what they had. So why so much beer? <laughs> why not this, is the question that's a that's a it's a deep topic but i'm gonna just brush along the top of that one so uh you guessed it beer is one of the most widely consumed beverages on saint patrick's day and LiveScience.com says that there is now a trend which i've seen of people drinking green beer you yeah. know because it's dyed green because of food coloring i, I did that in college <laughs> oh okay Um, Much like the river, but this time it's using food coloring. But some studies have linked food coloring to cancer, at least in lab animals. And you could also get things like headaches as a lesser symptom. Um, But uh, people would have to drink a lot more, like a lot, like a lot more dye than the beers could probably contain in order to cause health problems. So, you know, watch out for that green beer. And that's it. That's all that I found. Oh, well, thank you. (laughs) So like there, (laughs) so there are reasons for things. I love to find out like the true, the true meaning. It's always so much different than what you'd expect. I know. I know. And usually it's kind of like, oh, oh, 
that makes sense now that I think about it. Okay. Yeah. Hence why may let's just make a whole topic about something that you're like hmm, about, you know, it's a really good motivator. <laughs> a really great motivator for something for people to listen to (laughs) (laughs) why not (laughs) yeah why not but it's like it's like that mtv show diary it's like you think you know but you have no idea the diary of saint patrick (laughs) (laughs) well well i we didn't we had no idea we didn't there's got to be somebody out there listening i knew that okay okay calm down well then congratulations <laughs> i know so uh, but yeah but that's it so i hope everybody has a fantastic saint patrick's day and you as well and uh just check us out on facebook and instagram on uh this is the part i don't get and email us with anything that you don't get at the part i don't get at gmail.com and and that is it Yeah. Happy St. Patrick's Day. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye.